Welcome back to another episode of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. I am DC and I'm joined by Jack, Lawrence and DY, the usual. And now we're going to get into today's podcast. We do have a special guest today and I'm ultra excited to, uh, to talk to him. None other than Stu from Natural Bodybuilding Australia. How you doing, man? Good, man. Yourself? We are doing fantastic. I'm, I'm talking on behalf of the other boys here, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we're all doing well, man. We're super excited to have you on today. We've obviously been, it's on the cards for a while, so it's good to get yeah. you in today. So no doubt a lot of our listeners know plenty about you, mate, in terms of NBA, but for those who don't know about you, it'd be great to know a little bit more about you know, your history when it comes to bodybuilding. I'm pretty sure you were a competitor back in the day, and I uh, might've dabbled a little, little bit in, uh, in powerlifting as well, but Tell us a little bit more about sort of your introduction into the uh, the fitness industry. Yep. So, well, the fitness industry as a whole, that's way too long ago to even worry about. Yeah. <laughs> weren't even born then. <laughs> not quite, but not fair, far off. Fair, fair. Um, but yeah, bodybuilding, I became involved roughly 15 years ago. To, don't remember exactly, but um, was playing rugby league when I moved to Brisbane um, got injured playing my very first trial game when I moved up, moved up for work, realised that that probably wasn't the best thing to keep doing. So, yeah, moved on from that. Spent a year eating and drinking like a footballer does without the training. Got rather large and then uh, went and did a 12-week challenge that to, to drop that weight. And the guy running it was actually competing which then, yeah, tweaked my interest and 12 months later, I stepped on stage. So, awesome, man. I think that's actually yeah. how quite a few people get into the, uh, the bodybuilding industry, right? Or they sort of make that transition from other sports. Perhaps they, yeah. get, they get injured. We're all just a bunch of injured athletes from other sports that have moved into the, into the realms of bodybuilding. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. How did you go in, in your sort of competition days? Um, so my best result, I won my height class at IM, then INBA, which is now ICN Queensland's. Yep, yep, yep. Um, managed to pick up about eight fourth places at nationals. I was cursed with fourth. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Um, yeah, so competed roughly 20 times over five seasons in six years it was. So, yeah, did quite a few shows. Back then, it was just INBA and ANB. I always did both. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, most people did back then. And, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Well, awesome, man. Well, what was sort of, I guess, the, the main motivator to start, uh, you know, working towards something like the NBA or, I guess, moving into more of the sort of organizational approach to bodybuilding as opposed to being you know, like the competitor, yeah. what sort of drove you down that, that discipline? Yeah, well, so stepping backwards a few years, in the middle of that competing stage, I was actually asked to be a trainee judge with INBA at the time, um, with Jason was the promoter and, and a previous head judge. So I went through the training process there. Actually, the season afterwards went through a divorce, so kind of stayed away from bodybuilding for a little while. Um, yep. That head judge moved on and, yeah, I didn't end up going back. Um, year or so later, I was asked to judge with ANB. So, yeah, started, started along the lines there. 
um, judged for three or four years there, was then asked to be the Queensland head judge, um, did that for a little while. The promoter at the time, um, Russ Brereton, which some of you may know of, but probably don't, he's uh, no longer around. He actually passed away um, self-inflicted. And yeah, so Nick and myself took over running the AMB at that stage. Um, Nick is the promoter and myself as, as the head judge. Um, we did that for a couple of years and then um, AMB as a whole was actually sold. So the owner moved on and, and sold it. And that's when we decided to move on and start NBA. So yeah, essentially I got into judging and running comps by being asked to and then yeah, just sort of being around it and, and helping more and more each season. Mm, well, I think they're awesome credentials having been basically a you know competitor yourself and then transitioning into being associated with like the the judging of it all as well. And and as a part of that, no doubt you would then understand sort of the the back end in terms of you know how things are run back of office, so to speak. So yeah. I guess it's only natural to then transition into into starting something like you know NBA. How long has the NBA been around for now? Uh, so I've lost count of years. 2018, we started or we launched. Our first yep. comp was in 2019. Um, been around since then. Yep, so, yep. Yeah, obviously had the COVID years in the middle and all of that. But We, we try and forget about those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all they ever, they ever happened, but yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's also wow. great to... Sorry, oh, you go, sorry. No, you go, Jack. Well, I've just got some questions around or a question around like your time with IMBA and A&B and like what are some things that given your experience in those feds that you could bring into NBA and maybe improve on that NBA does a little bit better potentially? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lover of the sport. You know, you'll see me at pretty much any federations comp. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm around all the time. So when we did decide to start NBA, we kind of picked the best of everyone. You know, those, also IFBB, you know, a lot of a lot of things from all of them. So, you know, I, what's now ICN, you know, is a really large show that can sometimes feel a little bit rushed. So, you know, we stepped back to, you know, making sure every athlete gets that bit more stage time, um, kept in some of the old school elements. So while a lot of people don't like doing posing routines, a lot still do. So we've got there as an option if you want to. Um, our stage setup is more the, the IFBB style setup. So, you know, a lot more emphasis on lighting, bit of more show aspect. Um, yeah, they're the main things. All the, the model divisions as such do the iWalk, which is the same as IFBB. Um, yeah, so we've yeah, sort of pulled little bits from everywhere to, to get the best of all the worlds. What are some of the divisions that are on offer for men's and the females? Because I did notice that you brought over the men's fitness, Div. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so originally when we started the men's, we had the same as IFBB, so men's physique, classic physique, bodybuilding. Um, and... 
the way we look at the men's divisions, our men's physique is a little bit smaller than what ICN and the other feds sort of do. We don't do muscularity poses. It's just quarter turns. So you don't get someone winning on their front double buys in physique. Yeah, you're getting a physique look to win. So we originally thought that the smaller fitness guys would be able to step up into that that division. It didn't turn out that way. Like it just, it wasn't what we expected. So we've added in men's fitness now as well to bring those, those lighter weight guys in. What we've also done is actually put, like what IFBB do with classic physique, we've put a height and weight cap on it. So you're not going to get a guy with a big, thick, round barrel chest in fitness that shouldn't be there because he's just not going to make the weight. So, yeah, we've put a pretty high, tight height and weight um, qualifying category in there to, to make the division so that it's there, but it keeps it separate from men's physique still. Yeah, you haven't seen that barrel chest just yet, but I haven't done the show yet, so I'll catch you there next time. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> left that now, open for you. <laughs> yeah. Now, with that, can people cross over into divisions? Like for myself, like would I be able to do men's fitness and men's physique and then yeah. maybe men's bodybuilding? So what we allow is two crossovers only or two divisions or categories. So you could do men's fitness and men's physique, but you then couldn't do classic physique or you could do men's physique, classic physique, but not bodybuilding and not fitness. So, um, yeah, essentially not many or no competitor should be able to fit into three categories. You know, yeah. Some, some sit in between two and can you know, look bigger in one and smaller in another, but you're not going to jump from doing well in men's fitness to doing well in classic physique. Like you're just not going to have enough muscle. Yeah, same goes from, you know, men's physique to bodybuilding. It's just not going to work. So rather than people doing that and getting disappointed on show day when they don't place in the division they shouldn't be in, we actually physically cap it so you can only do the two. And then we only allow you to do two divisions within each category as well. So that's that's one of the things we sort of did differently to to keep that extra fairness in there it also i guess it cuts down the uh show time as well because sometimes yeah. you have shows like i remember when i was at wmbf over in america that show went for like 24 hours straight and even some of the icn shows they do go yeah. for a very very long time so when you put that cap on the competitors it uh definitely yeah. brings down the time it, yeah it, we still end up with the same amount of divisions but there's they're not 30 people in a division that are the same 30 people in five different divisions. They spread out, which means you also get an overall that's a true overall. You don't get an overall where one person's cleaned up the field already in the divisions and they're standing next to people that they've already beaten in other divisions and an automatic win. So, you know, it becomes a true competition right through to the overall. So yeah, that's that's the other reason we've done it. Mm, awesome. With the um the inclusion of the the men's fitness 
is there any changes to men's physique then to create more of a distinction between the two? Like um, an introduction to some of the muscularity poses or anything like that? Or So we allow guys in men's physique to do the muscularity poses during the eye walk, but we'll never add them into the judging because we don't, you know, if you've got four quarter turn poses and then you add four muscularity poses, you risk getting a bodybuilder in board shorts winning physique rather than someone that is a physique competitor. Mm, I think that's quite similar to the IFBB. I'm pretty sure they don't have any sort of muscularity shots. Uh, They might be able to throw in a sort of a random one, but it's mostly really their their, their symmetry poses. If you look at IFBB, WNBF, pretty much every other federation except ICN, physique doesn't have muscularity poses Hmm. so yeah yeah we've followed that from there absolutely yeah Uh, yeah. well with um classic physique i know that it's become such a a popular uh category and and division you know i think more people are probably looking towards classic than potentially even bodybuilding right yeah in terms of the sort of a popularity um category so uh, are there any sort of specifics that competitors should know about with regards to you know, things such as like their symmetry rounds, like are there symmetry rounds? Are there yeah. distinctive muscularity shots that are, that are is, it, is it a little bit more freestyle? Is there pre-posing? Sort of yeah. what, so so we, we, again, we look at it very similar to, to YFBB without the obvious help that happens there. Um, so muscularity round, um, same compulsory poses, classic poses of your choice at the end. We do give people a bit of freedom. You know, it's not one classic pose of your choice. You know, it's two or three. You've got a little bit of freedom in in that to to show us show us your classic poses, um, and then your symmetry. The symmetry is more bodybuilding style symmetry because you know, classic physique is a throwback to old school bodybuilding. If you go look at the old school bodybuilders posing the symmetry rounds were still what the symmetry rounds are today. You know, the, you know, the offset symmetry has been made up somewhere along the line. And, you know, that's not a throwback to classic bodybuilding. So, you know, we've kept it as the throwback to classic bodybuilding. Mm, I think that's, that's quite true because even if you do see sort of the, the offset symmetry shots, like a lot of those poses are actually to do with like photo shoots and things like that. So not actually like up on stage where they're asked to, you know, move through their symmetry rounds. It's very bodybuilding style basically. Yeah. Or yeah, you see them in a posing routine or a pose down or those sort of times, but you don't see them. You know, if you go look at the 1978 Olympia, they they were posing like bodybuilders mm, yeah for sure so yeah that's actually a great point there Stu, because it's you know you you take something like a front relaxed or a rear relaxed and it's a symmetry pose but then you're going to shift your hips to one side and throw yeah. your symmetry off so it's actually a fair point i hadn't thought about it that way yeah yeah and and as long as you've got a physique that suits the category you will look classic in a standard symmetry pose. If you've got a thick waist and you don't have a physique that suits the category, well, you won't look classic in that pose. Mm-hmm. What would be some of the things that that as a judge would they'd look for in terms of a classic physique? Are there any sort of 
anthropometric or you know levers that that maybe stand out to you as someone who's hey this has a classic physique versus hey this is a this is a bodybuilding physique definitely like more focus on that smaller waist you know nice big round chest full arms you know can have a very slight upper to lower um disproportionate symmetry so you know legs can be very slightly smaller than your upper body um yeah that's basically it but yeah that tiny waist is, is the probably the biggest factor you heard you heard it here first no deadlifts uh, waist trainers and stomach vacuums only yeah classic 100 <laughs> percent if Showing i see that gym deadlifting you just you kicked out straight away well you're not going to be classic you're not going to have that true classic look yeah, that's it <laughs> So does very sensible advice. Yeah. I was going to say, Stu, uh, one thing that I probably mark most notably as being different with MBA is that you don't necessarily have some of these like additional, maybe should we say non-traditional divisions. So things like swimsuit, swims like runway, are, are those ones that you would look to add or are you pretty happy with just the more traditional divisions? Yep. So what we do, so I'll go through the women's divisions now. We'll circle back. But um, so we do have swimsuit for for women's. We've got, oh, sorry, I misspoke. Yep. I meant angels. My uh, bad, Stu. Yep, all good. Yeah. Lawrence so, was really torn up when he heard there was no angels division. Yeah, men's angels would. Yeah, there's there's one show that does it. So yeah, you can go there. That's the that's where you'll find it. All right, we'll talk off air. <laughs> yeah, so, but um, yeah. So the women's categories, our core categories for the women's is swimsuit bikini, sports model, fitness, figure international, figure, and we do have women's physique. So what we've, what I also didn't mention with the men's categories, because it's less of a um, thing. So we have what we call core categories. So our core categories are categories that are broken up into divisions, have an overall, have a pro card. We then also have optional categories. So with the men's, that's the optional posing routine is the only one. In the women's, that's where we've got some of those less traditional divisions. So it's a, so there is a theme wear division there. We've just recently added, um, so fit swimsuit, which is a swimsuit for fitness and sports model competitors. Because we quite often get asked by a fitness competitor, why can't I do swimsuit? And the answer is you're too big, you're too muscular, you're not going to do well in that division. But they all want to do it. They love the one-piece swimsuit. So we've created it as yeah, one of those less traditional optional divisions. Um, same with figure. That is actually something that was back around back in the day. Figure was originally in a one-piece. So we've got that as well. And then we've got women's posing routine as that. So, yeah, so the women's divisions, there's, yeah, like most federations, a lot more choice. Um, yeah, more categories, more divisions. So, but yeah, we do have that mix of both the traditional and some of the more recent stuff. Mm. For, for some of the, the listeners to, to know the difference between, what, what's the difference between uh, figure versus like figure international? Yeah, so figure international is your quarter turns only judged on symmetry. Still need to be in good condition, but symmetry is the the predominant factor looking at and then figure is your 
muscularity and symmetry. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And when it comes to some of those like core categories that you mentioned, there's shoes, like the ones where like you can go on to, to win a pro card and, and things like that. What is, um, I guess, NBA's qualification process for that sort of thing? Yeah. So we, yeah. So we, we've got fairly simple, fairly tight to win a pro card with NBA. There's, there's three ways to do it. The first, as an amateur competitor, you need to win the overall at one of our national competitions. So our season A nationals is called the Oceana and then our season B nationals. So it's the overall winner only. It's not the winners of the open categories. It's not the top three in the overall. You've got to be the best of the best from that season to win the pro card. So yeah, that's that's fairly simple. Um, we do also, well, last season we introduced a Masters Pro Card. So to win the Masters Pro Card, it's if the judging panel thinks you're of pro standard and you win either the over 40s or the over 50s category, then you'll be awarded your Masters Pro Card. So, and the third way to get an NBA pro card, if you hold a pro card with any other federation, you can compete in our pro show as a pro athlete. We accept all pro cards. And if you place top three in our pro show, you then also win a, an NBA pro card. If someone has a pro card, let's say for like myself, and I wanted to yeah. do the fitness division as an amateur, would that be allowed? Or would mm. since I've already got a pro card, would you not let me cross over into it? Um, so we, we sort of give you the best of both worlds. So if you want to go through the process and win it the hard way, we understand that. So if you want to compete as an amateur and win our overall to win it, then yeah, totally okay. If you want to go into the pro show, then that's also okay. So we don't have a hard and fast rule there though. You know, if you're a pro of extremely high caliber standards and you're just going to wipe the floor with people, I'll pull you aside and say, no, nah, do the pro show, don't do the amateurs because it's, yeah, just, yeah, it's not worth your time doing it if, if you're, you know, of that high caliber. So, but yeah, we allow people the choice to do whichever they would prefer. So that means that the, like the national show, I would be able to compete if I wanted to as an amateur and then a professional on the same day. Even what happens if I didn't get my pro card in the amateur show? Would I yeah. still be able to do the professional one? <laughs> no, that's the risk you take. You <laughs> right. So unless you win it, win the pro card on the day, you can't compete in the amateur and pro show on the same day. So yeah, you can't. You couldn't come and do men's physique amateur and fitness pro on the same show you know or try and win the overall fitness and then try and, and do fitness pro you've got to decide one or the other so yeah yeah and that's just about keeping it fair for everyone yeah 100 percent. Mm, i think that's a really good decision to do that because it makes competitors think a bit more wisely about sort of what direction they want to go whether they want to go the pro show and it's not like oh i can compete in the amateurs then i can go compete in the pro show as well it's yeah. like oh well that's not the case so i think that's actually a good good rule in place yeah and a lot of competitors you know won pro cards at shows that were you know of 
smaller standards recently, especially. So if there is someone who, you know, won a pro card in, in a smaller show and they really don't feel like they're going to do well in a pro show, it leaves the door open for them that they can compete as an amateur if they want to, you know, or if they, you know, feel they're of pro standard, then go straight into the pro show. So it's, it's leaving everyone where they suit best, really. Hmm. I think it's also one of the only divisions that allows crossover of pro cards to compete in the pro shows. Cause we were yeah. discussing this a couple episodes ago, I believe where it's like, we truly don't have like an Australian show that honors all pro cards at one show where oh, I guess you do. Yeah. So that means you can pretty much have like the best in Australia. Like anyone could cross over. Yeah. And, and that's exactly why we did it. So we actually, we brought that in when we were still the very first Oceana Pro-Am we ran with the previous federation, we did that. And, and it was literally like the most fun I have is judging high quality lineups and good quality competitors. I want pro lineups 10 deep of all quality competitors. So you know, for my own enjoyment, why not make it an open to everyone, get the best of the best all on one stage and, you know, I'll have a whole lot of fun judging that. So, and hopefully they all have a lot of fun seeing who the best of all federations is. Awesome. Yeah. So some people have said that, you know, because it's an NBA judged show that, you know, the existing NBA pros will get, favoritism over a pro from another federation but you know if you look at last year's pro show there are a lot of other federations pros that won or placed in in divisions so yeah that's definitely not the case but yeah the thing is they won the pro card because they look good i guess in your judging criteria so it's like even if another pro like a bikini competitor from icn jumps over on your stage they're technically still going to be judged as the nba bikini criteria it's not like just because you've got a bunch of icn girls on there you're going to swap your judging criteria like the icn panel yeah exactly they've still got to fit our criteria but you know it's you know bodybuilding's bodybuilding the categories are fairly similar across federations so if you're a, if you're a high level pro in one federation you should be able to stand next to high level pros of any federation yeah and what about drug testing Stu? like i know firsthand that, that you guys uh do drug testing the urine analysis when i competed with you guys but yep. what is your sort of general blanket rule like who is is getting tested at the shows and who isn't Yep. So, so our blanket rule, every single overall winner at every single show gets tested, no matter what. On top of that, every show there are random testing as well. Quite often we'll test, you know, second place in an overall or, you know, two or three competitors in a category. But without fail, every single overall competitor is tested with urine analysis. You know, we don't just do it at nationals or just do it at the pro show, you know, because if you do that, people just pick and choose which shows they're going to do. So we do it at every show and, yeah, everyone, yeah, every overall winner gets tested and then random outside that. And is there any off-season testing that you guys have implemented? 
So with our pro contracts, um, you do sign a contract that allows us to do off-season testing as well. So amateurs, it's hard to, to organise. You do still have to be a member to be tested. So there's, there's legalities around that. So our pros, your pro contract is a lifetime contract. It's not a pay your yearly fee to renew your pro card. You're a pro until you tell us you don't want to be. And so, and that allows us to test you anytime through that period as well. Yeah, I've got a question about the the judging too. Like, how do you guys choose the the winners? Like, is it based on a scoring card or is it collective decision across all judges? Yep. So it's collective decision across the panel of judges, five to seven. Um, we actually use a computerized system. So every judge places first to last on the stage. And yeah, if there's 20, it's still first to last. Um, usually at about 10th, we'll go everyone else's equal 11th. But yeah, yeah it's everyone on stage is, is judged and placed by every judge. And that's then tabulated by the computer system. So it's, it's not done by me and, and just me putting my scores through. It's, the, it's properly tab tabulated and recorded. And um, yeah, so that's, that's how that's done. Yeah, what's the, um, what's the, the process involved with becoming a judge with NBA? Yep. So as I said earlier, I started my judging with IMBA that's now ICN. I copied a lot of the processes across from when I started judging. So, but added a little bit extra. So every, anyone who wants to become a judge anywhere in Australia, so I'm the national head judge, they'll first, first and foremost, they'll go to another federation show with me, sit in the crowd and we'll judge the show and I'll get them to explain to me how they're breaking down divisions. If I like that, then they'll sit on the, on the table as a trainee judge that's usually a two to three shows process of being a trainee judge where your scores don't count, but they're recorded. After two to three shows, if your scoring is accurate, then you become a fully fledged judge. So yeah, I added that first stage of sitting down at another Federation's show with me because one, one thing I noticed previously was there were a lot of people who got on the table as a trainee judge and either copied the person next to them because they had no idea what they were doing. They were just looking at someone else's sheet and copying it. So their scores look great, but they're not really actually helping or they're on the table as a trainee judge and their scores are just all over the place. So by sitting with them one-on-one -on -one where I can actually talk through it with them, I can see if you actually understand what you're breaking down and what's going on. And that, that usually weeds out anyone who shouldn't be there at that stage, but then we still double check that with, um, you know, being a trainee for a show or two. Mm, I guess it gives you the opportunity to know a little bit more about them as well, their motives, their, yeah. you know, whether they have the objective eye to, to be a judge as well. Yeah. I think some people will, will perhaps be better just in terms of their, observational skills in terms of being able to look at competitors and things like that. So yeah, that uh, sounds good. Yeah. There are high level competitors that have absolutely no idea. 
there are medium to lower level competitors who are far more objective. So yeah, just because you're a good competitor doesn't mean you're a good judge. Yeah, you know, and same goes as coach. You know, some coaches get the coach goggles on and aren't a good judge. Mm. Other coaches are great judges. Mm. So yeah, we physically don't allow coaches to judge their own clients. So um, everyone signs actually a, a waiver at the start of the show saying who, you know, if they have any biases and they're sat off the table in, in those divisions. Mm, that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask was, yeah, if, if you know, someone is judging and, and someone like their athlete is up on stage, they sort of yeah. just take a, take a, take a step back or yeah. walk off the panel for that particular showing. Yeah. So yeah, you guys all know Joey, Joey judges for me. He's probably one of the few coaches that actually judges. Most of my judges aren't coaches, but yeah, if, if anyone has a client in the division, if someone's got more than three or four clients, they're often on the table too much and there's, there's no point in judging anyway. For but sure. if they've got two to three clients and a really good eye, sometimes they're actually better people to have as judges and they just step off the divisions that any of their clients are in. And yeah, considering I would say about 95 plus percent of our listeners compete in Australia and for those who haven't competed with NBA, like what's, what's something that um, they might enjoy? I know we kind of an sort of answered this question at the start, but what do you yeah. think would be some good points for them to come over and give it a try? The biggest thing is that's that more laid back, more fun, enjoyable feel, less rushed, you know, good music, really good fun day. Um, that's well judged and yeah, mm. that's it. Awesome. Well, having been to you know a few NBA shows myself, I was um yeah very impressed, mate. So the the shows were incredibly run. The lighting was awesome. the The standard of competitors was incredible as well. So uh, you know I, I'd encourage all listeners looking to compete uh, as a natural athlete to to definitely compete with NBA. So awesome, mate. Well, what's uh what's the actual calendar for this year look like? So this season, season A, we've got five shows. Um, first starts the weekend before Easter with South Coast, New South Wales or Wollongong. Um, then the weekend after Easter, we've got our Sydney titles going through each weekend after that. We've got so Wollongong, Sydney, then Hobart titles, Brisbane titles, and then our national season A nationals or Oceana in Melbourne. So they're all a weekend apart. Um, yeah, and then season B, same five shows in each location. Our season B nationals is in Melbourne as well. And season B, we run our pro show as well, coinciding with the nationals in Melbourne. And Stu, is there like different state heads for each of those shows or are you going around to all five of those? So Yeah, so that's, that's one of the other differences with NBA. So... I'm the national head judge. I judge every single show. So, which keeps a consistency across the shows. Um, outside that, the, the other judges are all locals, but as the head judge, I can direct them and make sure it's consistent. So you don't get where, which happens in some other shows, where, you know, 
the criteria just evolves from one state to the next. Mm. And, you know, you'll have a nationals in one state and everyone from that state wins because the criteria is more suited to that state, you know, and, you know, that rolls around. Ours is, you know, the same judging criteria, the same everything across nationally because I'm running it. So we do have, so NDA was founded by four of us. So there's myself and three other guys. Two of those guys are based in Sydney. So they run the Sydney show, but I'm still the head judge. And then I look after Queensland, Victoria, Tasmania. Fantastic, mate. Well, uh, that's basically the questions that I had. Did any of you boys have any further questions for uh, for Stu? I got one, not so much about the divs and the Fed, but we did ask Jason this. And since you've been around in the industry for so long, you've seen so many competitors. Who's who's one of the, like the bodybuilding competitors that you've seen that has stood out the most? I think Jason said Kiyoshi. Yeah, so Kiyoshi was definitely up there. The best I've stood next to was Trevor Huney, which Jason also mentioned because I did listen to that one. So yeah. Trevor, Trevor was an absolute giant. Um, Justin Figuera was another amazing one. Stood next to him a couple of times, got absolutely eaten alive. Um, <laughs> yep. So those three would probably be the three main ones. And Nathan Wallace is the other OG that's yeah definitely a standout. So, Very nice top four. Yeah. yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And Stu, what would you say if you had to pick like one of your biggest pet peeves about you know the bodybuilding or the fitness industry that you're trying to fix what would you say what would you say that is um probably the biggest one is that inconsistent and you know perceived bias in judging so you know that's something i'm definitely extremely passionate about making sure you know coaches don't judge their own clients that they're you know that judging is consistent from one show to the next you know the worst possible feeling a competitor can have is thinking they're amazing getting up on stage and then the criteria changing and they're not suited because of judging changing or some obvious bias so you know stamping that out is probably the biggest biggest one for me because you'll see that a lot, I guess, from certain like feds where one bikini will look completely different from another show and then they might not win. I've even had clients like travel for certain shows and they do it and they fit the criteria. And, you know, obviously my client doesn't win. The show's rigged. That was a joke, by the way, but yeah. yeah. It's it's true though. Like outside that last bit, you know, yeah. there's, you know, it's, it happens. It's the biggest thing that I get complained to about as well. Like people are always coming to me, you know, sometimes with look at this, it's obviously rigged. You know, others look at this, they changed what they were looking for mid-show, you know, or from one state to the next. Like, you know, and look, as much as it's a joke, I have seen shows where it is obviously rigged. You know, very rarely it does, but I have seen it happen. More often than not, it's that, you know, just one state's criteria is different to another. Yeah. But even that, it's still disappointing. Mm. Yeah. Very unfortunate to see. Well, I can say that I what my clients haven't come out of the uh, first place with you, so I know that your shows aren't rigged. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, you're just picking your best clients only to send to my shows. I've only got, I've only had three there and they've all won the overall. So I'm yeah. a happy man. Good record. Awesome boys. Well, uh, before we wrap up today's episode, I wanted to give you the opportunity Stu, just to kind of plug your contact details. So, you know, where can the listeners get in contact with you? Yep. So I run all the NBA socials. So NBA Australia underscore official on Instagram um, or my own, which is S-T-U-E-Y triple O. Um, yeah, so either of those um, or email is Stuart at naturalbodybuildingaustralia.org, which is really fun to type. Stuart with spelt with a U, not E-W. So, yeah, they're probably the three best ways to get hold of me. The, the Instagram is definitely the best on the yeah, looking after that pretty and, much 24-7. And Stu, Jason always drops his mobile, mate. So you're going to have to go one better and drop your postal address as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't... No. <laughs> awesome, lads. Well, uh, that wraps up another episode of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. If you loved today's episode, remember to give us a subscribe and an awesome review, and we will certainly see you in the next episode. Bye.